0: Welcome to the 8311 cast featuring Kyle Merce, your better co-host Mike Ludwig, (laughs) and myself Wyatt Teeter. Today we're going to segue right into some Cyclone football. You want to kick us off, Mike?
1: Yeah, so uh, for those of you who didn't uh, watch the game on Saturday, which why wouldn't you have watched the game, right? Brock Purdy comes in on the second series, leads the Cyclones to a hard-fought victory over Oklahoma State. In Stillwater, right? First win in Stillwater since 2000. It was a huge win for the Cyclones. Brock Purdy over 400 yards of total offense. So the real interesting question they have to do here is, what do we do next week, right? So Brock Purdy played so well this week that we have to figure out if Kyle Kemp comebacks healthy next week, who's your starting quarterback?
2: I think Kyle Kemp will be a healthy scratch for this game against West Virginia. What, what I mean? think he a healthy scratch, as in Brock Purdy, will start the game. Oh, okay. I believe we have to roll with the hot hand. We have the chemistry, and we're coming off a big win. We're going to disrupt a lot of that buildup that we had with our first big win of the season uh, coming at OSU. So I think we have to roll with Brock Purdy until proven otherwise. Right? My inclination is we will roll with Brock Purdy at least for the first half. Of the game, and if his performance is lackluster, or we need something to mix it up, I think Matt Campbell will throw in Kyle Kemp over Zeb Nolan. I think for right now, for the time being, Zeb Nolan has lost his position for starting quarterback. I think it is between Brock Purdy and Kyle Kemp going forward.
1: So, do you think uh, do you think that Nolan would see any snaps this
2: year, if, assuming that uh, that Kemp and uh, Purdy stay healthy? the The only time i foresee zeb having any snaps is in maybe just a different form like we're running a different different look maybe in the red zone we're getting close but for right now the only snaps i see zeb getting for the rest of the season are only due to injury to kyle kemp and brock purdy at the same time and let's please hope that doesn't happen we need no more cyclone injuries no but another year of quarterback controversy in ames is upon us. Have,
1: we, we, in our time here at Iowa State, have we ever had the uh, same starting quarterback at the end of the year that we had at the start of the year? I don't think we have.
2: The answer would
1: be no. Because our freshman year, Sam Richardson got replaced by Joel Lanning, right? Mm-hmm. And then Joel Lanning got replaced by Jacob Park. And then Jacob Park got replaced by Kyle Kemp. And now Kyle Kemp slash, Jeb, slash Zeb Nolan have been replaced by Brock Purdy. Yes. So that's four straight years where the starting quarterback going into the uh, going into the season is n- not starting quarterback at the end, and I mean, I suppose I suppose Kyle Kemp could uh could come back at the end of the year
2: and be the starting quarterback at the end. We'll see. So yeah, I believe that Brock Purdy is our quarterback going forward. Um, just his ability to run as a dual threat um, that was. One of the main reasons why he was highly recruited out of Arizona, he was a Gatorade Player of the Year in Arizona as a high school athlete his senior season. And I think that's a lot of the hype that came behind him um, in his recruitment, which is why he was recruited so highly here in Ames. And we landed him over him choosing Alabama. So he thought this was... Suck at Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> he thought this was a good place to come and now he's starting to reap the benefits. I do believe that he is a good quarterback. That throw to Hakeem Butler in the first quarter, um, that on the run throw, kind of reminded me of one of Patrick Mahomes' throws on the run. He has a capable arm, and one of the things that but, I but he threw it right handed. Pat Mahomes only throws his best passes left handed. You're right. He is a he has a hundred percent completion percentage <laughs> with his left hand, but that is not. That is not our current topic. We might (laughs) cover that a little bit later. But for right now, I think, yeah, I I mean, that was a great pass. And the thing that I really like to see is, and you can quote me on this, I liked that interception that he threw. Actually pushing the ball down the field, which is something that we have not seen all year between Kyle Kemp and Zeb Nolan.
1: Which, which is strange because that's what Zeb Nolan was supposed to be known for, right? Being able to throw the ball down the field. That was supposed to be his advantage coming into the year over Kyle Kemp, is that he was a better downfield passer than Kyle Kemp. But we just did not see that from Zeb Nolan in his what He had three starts, four starts technically if you count the, the Oklahoma State game. But So here's, here's my question about Brock Purdy. So obviously he's very talented, but how much of that – how much of his success had to do with Oklahoma State not having any semblance of scheme set up going into the game for a dual threat quarterback like Brock Purdy because they expected to see a heavy dose of the pocket passes of Nolan in the game right so if west virginia like right, expecting purdy comes out with a scheme against a dual threat rpo quarterback like like purdy is will they be able to will they be able to contain him
0: I think if that was the case, then OSU would have definitely adapted that, especially towards the second half of the game. Um, they had enough time to adjust to something like that happening in the game. I don't think there's any question that Brock Purdy's success is due. It's it's not due to OSU's lack of planning. I I think intrinsically he's just an amazing quarterback, and I think he's going to be really good against West Virginia as well.
1: You, you ready to call him an amazing quarterback after seeing him for – Slightly over three quarters of football. He's you... drinking the Kool-Aid.
0: I am. I'm on the Brock Purdy train. Choo choo. Guzzling the Kool-Aid. Where, where's
1: the train going? Memphis? You want to go back to Memphis we're going for a bowl? South,
0: game? south of Memphis. We're going, we're going to go someplace warm
1: this time. Memphis is warm, right? It was about 42 degrees. That's pretty warm and de- that's pretty warm in December.
0: No, we're going someplace warm. I do
2: believe that. Oklahoma State did have some indication that Brock Purdy was going to be seeing snaps during the week. Matt Campbell, an oppressor, said that Brock Purdy has been receiving first-team snaps and that we would see a dose of Brock Purdy. One of our Cyclone Sports writers said after the game, quote-unquote, that was a little bit more of a dose. You, quote unquote quote. is not Just that's, quoting that's him. Just quote quoting
1: unquote him. would be like 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 your little air quotes like you' are saying something sarcastically, otherwise you say quote and then you say the thing and then you say close quote do you do you not know how to to to, to like say quotations All right, you can Have show you ever done that All before? Right, so back to this
2: <laughs> we we got a little bit more than a dose of Brock Purdy, so I do believe that Oklahoma State had some indication that Brock Purdy would be seeing snaps at some point during this game. So they did have some sort of plan for that.
1: Okay. I can buy that. But I think that – uh I don't know. I feel like West Virginia is just – I feel like they were just caught off guard, right? Maybe if they even did have a scheme that they just weren't quite ready for that level and that success of the RPL. Personally, I'm Oklahoma not –
2: Oklahoma State wasn't ready. Yeah, you're right. West Virginia.
1: You're right. West, but I think West Virginia is going to be ready for it. I don't – I think that – um that West Virginia is going to be better prepared. I'm just not quite ready to hop on that Brock Purdy bandwagon. I think he played a phenomenal game, don't get me wrong. Hats off to Brock Purdy for that that game that he played. But I'm not ready to jump on that bandwagon yet. i got to see what he does against against West Virginia here on Saturday before I can do that. But really what was interesting that came out today is that David Montgomery still might not be ready for that game against West Virginia. And personally, I think that David Montgomery not being if David Montgomery is not healthy and not able able to play against West Virginia, I think that's another real reason to start Brock Purdy at quarterback, right? Because if if David Montgomery's out, Brock Purdy is the best runner that you have that's healthy, right? So having that dual threat at quarterback is going to be huge in the case of of David Montgomery being out, because Kyle Kemp's effectiveness is going to be extremely limited if there's less of a run game, right? Just by nature, a a control pocket passer is going to be less effective when the defense doesn't have to respect a run game, right? Not that Nuangu and Lang did a a very good job in the run game against Oklahoma State, but they're, they're not David Montgomery, right? So I feel like it's with David Montgomery might be out again against West Virginia. That's just another reason where you have to at least give Brock Purdy the opportunity. And I I understand that he might lose, right? He might play more than his four games that he needs to. Uh... Wyatt, stop that. He's counting, he's counting the number of times that I say right during this podcast and indicating it to me because he said I said it too much in the last podcast. <laughs> he's giving me a signal every time I say it and it's throwing me off my game. Anyway, I was talking about. What was I talking about? I completely lost my train of thought. Something about West Virginia, football, and
2: David Montgomery. I'm so lost. Kyle, help me. I'm not exactly sure where you were, because I was reading reports on the Montgomery injury. But my, what my initial thought is, is that we need some sort of run game against West Virginia in order to keep Will Greer off the field. He is one of the most prolific passers in the FBS right now. And I believe our key to winning that game is trying to keep our defense off the field as much as we can and keep the ball out of Will Greer's hands. And I believe that we need Brock Purdy for that if David Montgomery is unable to suit up. So I think Brock Purdy will be the difference with his ability to run and scramble and make plays with his feet. So what let's talk about that cyclone defense for a little bit since you brought it up. That cyclone
1: defense gave up way too many points against Oklahoma State as far as based on based on their average for what they've been giving up this year. I mean, I get that Oklahoma State's got a high powered offense, so you gotta give credit some credit to Oklahoma State for that. But the defense has played well up to this game. Do you think that it was just a blip on the radar against a very good Oklahoma State offense there? Or is there a reason to be concerned on the the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Mike Rose played a really good game, the uh, true freshman linebacker, but I don't know what you think about the defense. I think
2: our linebackers are starting to step up with Orion Vance uh, coming in in place of um, Mike Rose as well. Um, and there's not, there's not a lot of drop-off between the linebackers we come in to give our starting linebackers breather. So I think our linebackers are getting better, and we had we were able to get to the quarterback pretty well. So our defensive line is playing well. I think where it what it's all boiling down to is our corners are starting to get beat, and our safety coverage isn't helping us out all that much. Greg Eisworth is one of the leading tacklers for our team right now on defense from his free safety position, which means that we are giving up a lot of big plays down the field. Yeah, I'd agree. And that- getting beat by our our corners are getting beat. I'd, I'd agree that the front seven definitely played
1: well. I mean, Iowa State set a school record on Saturday with the number of tackles for a loss. Right? We set a new school record for the number of tackles for loss and tied the school records for sacks in a game. So the defensive line was getting penetration, getting pressure on the Oklahoma State quarterback the whole game. So I think they played really well. I agree. We just gave up too many big plays in the secondary that – uh that caused us trouble. By the way, I remembered what I was talking about. I was talking about Brock Purdy and his uh he might end up playing more than four games to lose his ability to uh to redshirt this season and gain that fifth year of eligibility. But I don't I don't think that's what you can worry about, right? If he's if he's playing really well, you just have to roll with him.
2: If we believe that this team can win now and get us to a bowl game, you don't, you can't worry about redshirting a quarterback and saving him for an extra year. I agree. If, if he's really as good as he played against Oklahoma
1: State, he wouldn't stay around for five years anyway. So you might as well play him here where you got the opportunity. Play him when he's around and enjoy having that good dual threat quarterback that Iowa State has not had, at least in my time following the Cyclones. But despite uh, all that other time, despite the uh, amazing Cyclones win, there were also some other, some other big games around college football this year or last, this week. So one of the biggest games was the uh, Notre Dame-Virginia Tech game. I want to talk about Notre Dame. Maybe, is this finally the year that an independent is going to be able to make the college football playoff with Notre Dame coming off a strong showing this year?
2: They have a pretty good, uh, resume right now as it is that road win over Virginia Tech, that home win over Stanford. Um, that Stanford win might not look as good now with Stanford going down to Utah. Um, but I think, I think Notre Dame right now has the resume in order to pull this out, um, as an independent. I think their schedule gets a little bit easier as they go down the road. Um, from here, they travel to Pittsburgh next week to take on Pitt. Um, but for right now, with their resume, their resume is stacking up with some of the top top ten teams that are in the rankings and the standings right now.
1: Yeah, I would tend to agree. I think that uh, well, Notre Dame still has a couple of big tests coming up, but I think right now they're, they're playing really well. And if the season ended today, I would put them in the playoff at least. But I think it'll be really interesting to see when the, uh, selection committee's rankings come out, do they come out, first one's come out tomorrow, or do we still have another week before, week or two before we have to get the next?
2: I think they come out halfway ratings. through the season. Halfway
1: through the season, so we still got, what was it, week six, it was week six, so we was, probably got one more week before they come out. They
2: might come out next week. Okay. I'm not sure. I will but look that up.
1: I think that we have to figure, I think that we gotta wait and see when those selection committee rankings come out, see how they're evaluating teams before we can really start having these discussions about whether a team is playoff-worthy, right? Because in the end, it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what the selection committee thinks. So we got to see when those first rankings come out and then then go from there. Another interesting thing that happened in college football was definitely Auburn's loss, Auburn falling at home. I didn't think that uh, that Mississippi State... They played Mississippi State, right? I didn't think that, uh, that uh, Mississippi State was going to be able to get it done even at home against Auburn, but... I think that, uh, that's a big blow for the SEC's chances. I feel like, uh, Alabama and Georgia are really their only two chances of, uh, getting teams in the college football playoff now, especially with LSU falling to Florida as well. So two of the SEC's top teams took a tumble there. So I think that, uh, that the SEC definitely lost a good percentage of their chance to get multiple teams in that college football playoff. But I mean, Alabama still looks unbeatable. They've put up
2: 50 points in every game this season. And so. Georgia, Georgia is still lurking, with yeah. headed or led by Jake Fromm in his second season. Uh, the first playoff rankings come out October 30th, Tuesday, October 30th. So we still have a few weeks before the first ones come out for the season. Okay. But the Big 12 might have taken a severe hit this weekend with Oklahoma going down. If you, in fact, believe that Oklahoma was the Big 12's best chance to get a team into the playoff. Right now, West Virginia is the only unbeaten team in the league. Um, Texas has one loss, that early season loss, to Maryland. So, for right now, the only team currently competing for it is West Virginia. West Virginia and Texas still do have to play, and West Virginia does have to play Oklahoma as well. So... We will see how that all shakes up, but the Big 12 could battle themselves out of a playoff appearance, which is why I think the committee should start to push for implementing an eight-team playoff into the field for the bowl games at the end of the season. I believe that gives a better opportunity for every conference to be represented. Um, there are five power, there are, five major conferences, so one of them essentially could be left out every year, maybe two depending on how the teams play, and then it also gives the group of five teams a chance to get in as well. Yeah, I'm
1: I'm not opposed to the eight-team playoff. I think that it's eventually going to happen regardless of whether it should or not, but I'm in favor of it because I think that if, if you expand to eight teams, then I think for football that every team that could say they have a legitimate shot of winning the national championship would get into the playoff then. Cause, right, with four teams, there's, there's opportunity where the number five team, right, could legitimately say that we could win the national championship. We could beat, we could win two games and get to the national championship. The ninth team in the nation, however, though, right, there's a big difference between number nine and number one. So I'm not convinced that, that the nine could win the national championship, but the five seed definitely could win the national championship. So that's the biggest argument as far as I'm concerned for expanding to the eight-team playoff is giving every team that has an, a legitimate opportunity to win the title the chance to be in the playoff and play for it instead of having having a team left out just and not knowing whether TCU could beat Alabama, right? Because you left TCU out as the number number five team in the nation. So I'm in favor of expanding the eighteen playoff i think it's gonna to have to wait until the uh contract expires with the uh with the with the ball games the playoff ball games in order to get there but it'll eventually get there the money is there's just too much money at stake for college football to not expand the playoff to eight teams here when they get the chance i i think we're gonna uh spin it over to some baseball here we've got the uh postseason for baseball in full swing. We had some exciting wild card games, especially in the National League. That National League wild card game kept me up way past my bedtime. I don't know about anybody else, but I was real tired come
2: Wednesday morning. He is an elderly man. His bedtime is 10 o'clock. My bedtime is 11 o'clock. Thank you, Kyle. You would be in bed at 10 o'clock if you could.
1: I would be in bed right now if
2: I could. I'm working on five hours of sleep right now. So, But the first team to make it through the um divisional series are the Milwaukee Brewers. Um the Milwaukee Brewers have swept the Rockies, so they will face the winner of the Braves and Dodgers series going forward. That's true and in the uh, American
1: League, Houston is looking really good against Cleveland. Their pitching has been phenomenal. I think they've only given up they've given up less than 5 runs over the course of the two games. So they're pitching really well. And then Boston and the Yankees tied at one. That's been a slugfest, just like we thought it would be. I think that's definitely been the most intriguing series so far, is that Boston-New York series. you got those two rivalries. It's a heated rivalry. The fans don't like each other. The players don't like each other. I mean, the two teams finished with the two best records in baseball, now playing each other in the first round. Personally, I think that's going to be one of the best series of the playoffs, not just of the first round of the playoffs, but of the playoffs in general, definitely worth keeping an eye on as the week goes along here to see who's going to advance across in the uh, in the ALCS. But what really was interesting, we had an interesting piece of information that was uh, brought to our attention by uh, one of our loyal listeners. So we do take topic requ- uh, topic suggestions from our loyal listeners. So if you have a if you have a topic suggestion for the eighty three eleven cast you can tweet at Kyle or Wyatt. You'll get uh information here at the end of the show, Wyatt will give it to you. But anyway, we have this piece of information that was given to us by one of our loyal listeners. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> uh, that uh the information of how each of the each of the teams in the playoffs acquired um the players they have now. Could could we post this picture so people could get access to it while they're listening to the podcast? Is that a possibility?
0: Um, yeah, you can check it out on the blog post on our website, um, currently 8311cast.fireside.com. So if you want to take a look at this graphic that
1: we're going to be talking about during this uh, during this segment, yeah.
0: Correction, uh, it's actually going to be 8311cast.fireside.fm. My apologies. So if you want to look
1: at the graphic, take a look at that website, we'll, we'll get it posted here along with the podcast. But basically, it's breaking down um the roster composition of each of the teams based on what players they acquired via free agency, acquired via trade, the Rule 5 draft, and picked up on waivers, and the number of players that were homegrown, that they drafted or signed internationally and made it to their team. And one thing you'll see that for most teams, the largest chunk of that is players that they traded for, right? Whether those be... Whether that be trade deadline acquisitions at the major league level this year, or a lot of them I'm sure came in previous years, maybe when the team was having a down year, right? And they unloaded their MLB veteran players and traded four minor league prospects, right? So I think this graphic definitely, right, shows the point that you have to, you have to sell in your down years, right? To acquire those prospects via trade, because this shows that those prospects are making up the core of these teams that are going to the playoffs. So you have to be able to acquire those prospects and endure those down years in order to make the run to the playoffs. And
2: what's interesting is it seems as Colorado took that strategy, but instead of acquiring players, they stockpiled draft picks. They have 12 draft picks that they – or drafted players that they built their roster with for this season – and they were one of the only teams who reached double digits for draft picks. The other teams being the Dodgers and Houston the Astros and Boston. as well.
1: Boston, also Boston as well.
2: So yeah, there's, there's two different a- approaches in order to acquire those players. Um, whether that be through the trade, as Mike was talking about, or through stockpiling draft picks, there weren't a lot of free agent acquisitions, a lot of those are mainly pieces that are needed. A lot of bullpen guys are signed through free agency mainly, more so than the position players or the starting pitchers. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I think I mean, and so hot stove season right in the off season is really exciting. We're always looking to see where those big name free agents land. But I mean, I think this graphic goes to show you that as exciting as that is and i mean i love hot stove season because baseball is my favorite sport and i like to get my fix of baseball even in even in january and february when it's you know negative 10 degrees out and i have to walk to class i like to like to think about spring and summer and think about some baseball how many
2: how many days until spring training mike it
1: is oh i got to look that up hold on i have a countdown on my phone i'm going to look it up right now and then we'll see how many days it is till spring training give me 4 seconds 4,
0: four 3 2 one.
1: It is 128 days until spring training. I'm already counting down until twin spring training. Because there you have I it, folks. Baseball.
2: There you have it, folks. The twin season ends, and he's already looking forward to hopefully a little bit of a better year than last year.
1: you right. Go spring training. Anyway, so hot stoves, going back to what we were talking about, hot stove season, signing those free agents, this shows that though it's entertaining in February when there's nothing else on after the NFL has ended, it doesn't really have that big of an impact on the teams, right? So you can get some big-name players, but the majority of players that you're going to get, they're not going to make up the majority of your team that's going to go on a postseason run. I mean, I'd be interested to see how these numbers compare to previous seasons as far as roster compositions, but I haven't I haven't done that research. But I assume it's going to be pretty similar between years. So I think that just shows that, that trades, right? Smart front office trades is is the way that you build a World Series contender. You've got to add a good piece or two in free agency, and you have to have some homegrown talent as well. You have to, uh, you have to get that homegrown talent to form your base, but trades have to be a part, and you have to trade successfully if you're going to end up making the
2: postseason and making a run. You can't trade for all the big name free agents, though, all the time, because you or just acquire the big-name free agents like Bryce Harper. You can't afford multiple Bryce Harpers on your team, so you have to work through the trade and give up some of your pieces in order to get some of those players. You can't
1: afford one Bryce Harper on your team. I don't like Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper doesn't respect the game of baseball, and I don't appreciate it, so I don't want Bryce Harper on my team. Just just a side note. I hope the Twins don't sign Bryce Harper. Plus, we don't need an outfielder, so, you know, also that.
2: With the firing of your manager for the Twins, will Joe Mauer retire now?
1: Well, so I'm I'm on the right that down board saying that Joe Maurer will not retire, but uh, I tend to have a feeling that uh, Joe Mauer is going to call it quits at, here now. I feel like I feel like he was leaning that way. If anybody saw the. Uh, the pomp and circumstance that he had last Sunday in his last game—they brought him into catch for one pitch right at the end of the game, because he was a catcher for most of his career, but had to move to first base. After I saw that and saw his teary-eyed press conference after the game, I even said to myself, "Well, that was a bad write—that down prediction, because that's going to be wrong." If I could, if I could go back and undo that write—that down prediction, I would, because I'm I'm 99% sure that Joe Mauer is, is is done playing Major League Baseball. Which is unfortunate. I hope he's a Hall of Famer one day. I don't know if he quite has the resume to get there. I think he's a real toss-up, but I would love to see him in the Hall of Fame one day. He was a really great ball player, and he's a really great person on the on and off the field as well. A Hall of Famer
2: at first base or at catcher?
1: It, well, if if you consider him just as a catcher, he's definitely a Hall of Famer, right? There's no other catchers who've won batting titles like Joe Mauer did, right? When he was in his prime at catcher, he was one of the best players in baseball, period, not just at catcher. So if you look at his stats completely as a catcher, he's he's for sure Hall of Famer without a doubt. If you look at him at a, at a first baseman as a, as purely a first baseman, he stands no chance at making the Hall of Fame. He didn't have enough power numbers and the tail end of his career is what he played at first base. But I think if you the really interesting if you look at him like the weird hybrid player that he was, I feel like that uh that makes him a really borderline case. To see, the, to see if he makes the Hall of Fame or not So that's just something to watch here In however many years Five years, six years When he ends up on the ballot for the first time to see, to see If he will end up being A Hall of Famer or not I'd love to see him there Twins haven't had a Hall of Famer in quite a while So it'd be
2: nice to get another one in there So week five In the NFL um, We had a wacky week three Just in terms of teams winning that weren't projected to win but the storyline of week five is kickers right where all of these missed field goals and missed extra points what was going on this week well when I, I
1: i watched what probably about a total of one and a half games over the course and i saw i saw mason crosby miss three field goals and an extra point for the packers so dan bailey who was supposed to solve all of the vikings kicker problems missed two field goals for the Vikings. And then I was watching the Sunday night football game and I saw another miss. I don't even know who Houston missed it. I don't know who their kicker is. He missed a field goal. I don't know. Kickers are just getting in their own head. Cleveland missed at least one field goal today. Kickers are just getting in their own heads or something. I don't know, but I haven't seen a week this bad for kickers in a long time. It's not even a late season game where the weather would be would be a factor I'm sure the weather might have been a factor in some of the missed kicks, but it's not like we had blizzards across the country or anything that would make make the kicking weather awful so I really don't know. I'm just happy that uh that the kicking woes did not cost my uh Maya Vikings a win that was a a big win going on the road against the Eagles on the road and taking home that victory getting to two, two and one falling to one, three, and one probably would have put the nail in the coffin for this season. But now they'll have some momentum going forward. So that's pretty good. Also, the, uh, the, uh, Lions coming in clutch and knocking off the Packers was good for my Vikings. I don't really know what's up with the Packers. They've just been incredibly, incredibly inconsistent this we season. We saw that
2: in week three against the Redskins.
1: Right. They right, they lose to ho hum teams like the Redskins and the uh the Redskins and this week the Lions. But I mean they they took care of business against the Bills, they went toe-to-toe against the Vikings. They're just week to week, you never know what to expect. Right? They had the miraculous comeback in the, against the Bears. Right? They're sitting at they're sitting at two two and two, but I mean, without the Aaron Rodgers miracle or two two and one, sorry. Yep. But without that Aaron Rodgers miracle, right, sitting at one three and one right now. Right? That would look pretty bad. So I really don't know what to think about the Packers. Even with Aaron Rodgers this year, they're just not able to, to generate the offensive production that they have in recent years. I, if I was a Packer fan, which I'm not, I would be uh, a little worried about the Packers at this point. So I mean, frankly, I'm happy because I don't like the Packers at all. That they're a little inconsistent. But if I was a Packer fan, I'd be very worried about how
2: inconsistent they've
1: been recently.
2: As far as teams with a nail in the coffin, I think one of the NFC favorites, at least to be in contention for the playoffs, almost cemented their nail in the coffin this week with a loss to Pittsburgh, and that is the Atlanta Falcons. They dropped to 1-4 and four on the season, and they've been competitive in all their games. It's just they they haven't been able to pull any of them out, and I think dropping to 1-4 and four is going to put them in a really tough spot in that division where Carolina is winning right now and New Orleans is also winning.
1: Yeah, I think New Orleans is definitely the best team in that division. they they went to four and one today, they won. No, they play tomorrow.
2: They play tomorrow night and Drew against... Brees has the uh opportunity to become the all time leading passer in the NFL tomorrow night on Monday night football.
1: But if the if the Saints win on Monday night football, right, that's gonna put Atlanta three games out already, the Saints going to four and one It's going to be really hard for them to recover from a 1-4 and start to make the playoffs. I think Atlanta's in trouble. On the other hand, you've got the dominant team in the NFC, which has definitely been the St. Louis Rams. They The Los
2: Angeles Rams.
1: uh, No, I'm going to call them the St. Louis Rams, even though that's wrong.
2: Okay. They are the Los Angeles Rams. I hate
1: Stan Kroenke. He should not have moved that team. He disrespected the city of St. Louis. I don't even like St. Louis, and I'm upset about it. So I'm going to call them the St. Louis Rams. I'd agree with that. You're going to have to deal with it. Also, shout out to Arianne if you're listening. I'm doing that just for you.
0: Love you, Arianne. Thanks for listening to us.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, the, the Rams travel to the north, and they are able to squeak out a win over the Seahawks. You're not allowed to call Seattle north.
1: All right, I got upset about this when I was watching the – NCAA tournament for college baseball last year. Minnesota was playing Oregon State in the Super Regional, and they kept getting super excited about how a northern school like Oregon State was able to do so well in baseball. And I was getting really upset about that because you can't consider an Oregon State a north school when it comes to that. Sure, they're geographically north, but they don't have to deal with things like snow for half of their – they don't have to play the first – They don't have to play the first half to two-thirds of their baseball season either on the road or inside of a football stadium just to get to play the games. You can't consider Oregon and Washington in the north. The weather is not like it is in the true north of Minnesota. I get that they're geographically north. I see the map you have pulled up on your computer. I don't care about geography. They're not in the north.
0: Wait, is Oregon State really more geographically north than Minnesota? Oregon or, State, it's, it would be pretty close between Oregon State and
1: Minnesota, between Corvallis and Minneapolis.
0: The map I have here shows Minnesota being more geographically north than where Oregon State is going to be. So right. This, I this just backs up
1: your
0: claim. But not for Seattle. No, I, not for I get Seattle. No, 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 But, no.
1: but the, the weather in Seattle is not like that of a northern school. This is a little bit of a tirade. I'm sorry, but I had to get it out baseball programs in Oregon and Washington are not northern baseball programs.
2: If you don't agree with Mike, L- Mike Ludwig, please tweet at me or Wyatt. You can send us your comments about this. Get upset at him and we will pass them along to him. Stay tuned to the end of the episode to get our Twitter handles. You will. Not mine though. I don't have one. So the Rams were still able to pull out that game. Uh they had a gutsy play call on fourth down, fourth and 1 and they quarterback they ran a quarterback sneak in order to get that first down. So they were able to pull it out. Um, so the Rams will do improve to five and O one of the only undefeated teams in the, you, the only undefeated team in the NFC, but, but the other undefeated chiefs, team, your chiefs are five and all are the chiefs. Yes. Coming out of the AFC, the chiefs are five and um How much Kool-Aid did you drink today? Did you drink that red Kool-Aid today? I didn't drink it all that much. they, the thing that surprised me from the game today was the Kansas City defense. Yes, the defense gave up over 500 yards of offense to...
1: Blake Portals! Yeah, Blake Portals!
2: And yeah. TJ Yeldon. But, they came up with big plays when it counted. Four interceptions and... They got a fat man touchdown
1: too. They did. I love and fat a man Pick Jones six. The best.
2: Pick six touchdown for Chris Jones.
1: The Vikings uh, got a fat man touchdown too. Everybody should go watch Linval Joseph run. Fat men can
0: run, and I love it. Can we actually talk about that real quick? So Joseph's top speed on that run was about eighteen point two miles per hour. I don't know if I can run that fast. I definitely cannot run that fast, and I don't weigh ne- like not even half of what he weighs. Can you imagine how fast he could run if he had less weight as well? That that rivals like most top speeds. Well, kind of rivals the top speeds, average top speed for a wide receiver. I mean, it's a
1: big boy going really fast. Big boy, try to stop really that fast. big boy.
0: Big boy was hustling.
1: He wants to score that touchdown. Big boys don't get to score very often.
0: Apologies for the uh the tangent there. It's okay. okay.
1: It's okay. Can we talk about the safety in the Cyclones game
0: yesterday? Oh, <laughs> Safeties.
1: I love. We love safety. See you on eighty three eleven and. Oklahoma State's punter just decided when he was punting from the end zone that he wanted to drop the ball and just kick it out of the back of the end zone. So he did, and it was a safety.
0: He didn't drop the ball. You can't drop a ball that you never caught. It just bounced off of his hands and rolled slowly out the back of the end zone. He
2: kicked it out the back of the end zone. Mm -hmm. Did he really? He gave it a little
0: help, yeah, the back of the end zone. Fair enough, fair enough. It's better to give up two points than seven.
2: But I like seven for the Cyclones better than two.
0: Go cycling. Safeties are my when favorite are. my favorite thing about but football. More point, specifically the, the one point safety.
1: Can you explain what a one point safety oh, is for all of our listeners that don't know?
0: A one point safety is an extremely rare play that happens in, in football. Um it's not it's not a play, it's a, a result of a play, I suppose. Um I think the last time it happened was in the twenty fourteen Fiesta Bowl. Um want to fact check me there, Kyle. Essentially uh what happens is uh after the offensive team scores a touchdown, they have the the point after touchdown attempt. And if they're going for a field goal and they kick it, but the, uh, the the defensive team blocks the ball, recovers the ball outside of their own end zone, but then runs the ball back into their end zone and gets tackled, that results in a one point safety. It's an extremely rare set of um, set of circumstances that can happen, but it is possible and has happened before.
1: Twenty thirteen Fiesta Bowl. Twenty thirteen Fiesta Bowl. My
0: my apologies.
1: So I don't think it's ever happened in the NFL. It's happened a couple times in college.
0: It can happen, though. I think in 2015 yeah, or in, 2016, in, it they the It can happen in the NFL. Yeah, to, to a lot. It just happen. hasn't.
1: It's a really weird play. Sorry, that was another tangent here on the 83-11 cast. Fun fact,
2: there have only been two of those in NCAA football history. The other one happened in November of 2004.
0: <laughs> Go one-point safety. Just goes to show the rarity of this event actually happening. And that's why it's my favorite.
1: Do you want to finish talking about your Chiefs? I interrupted you when you were talking about your Chiefs. And I interrupted you. Fat man touchdown.
2: Fat man touchdown. I can, can. yes. So the defense played really well. Pat Mahomes did throw his first and second career interception. Um, So he ended his streak of touchdown passes without an interception. His touchdown to interception ratio is still 7 to 1. So he is starting out the season really well, but he's making the plays that he needs to. Um, he can scramble outside of the pocket a lot better than Alex Smith could last year. He's able to sling the ball into tight windows, and he's able to push the ball downfield. Kareem Hunt is still doing what he needs to, and Travis Kelsey, with another 100-yard receiving game, is doing what he can to cement himself as the best tight end in the league right now, and I believe that the offense of the Chiefs can carry the Chiefs a long way. Um, the defense is definitely going to be our Achilles heel. Uh, the defense, like I said, performed well today, but in the past four weeks in a row of giving up nearly 500 yards of offense in every week cannot be sustained in order to win enough football games throughout the season.
1: No offenses like the Lambs and the Patriots are going to eat up the chiefs defense. It'll be interesting to see if the chiefs can score. With offenses like that. But, you write that down prediction, is starting to get on a little bit of shaky ground. Since you made it, the Chiefs have had two consecutive games where they have not scored 35 or more points. If they do that three more times, you can get the big old red axe next to that
2: prediction. It is, yes. My write that down prediction last week was the Chiefs will score 35 points or more in 75% of their games. Right now, they have only done that in three out of their first five games of the season. So... Yeah, that predict- prediction is looking like it might not hold up, but there's always hope. So,
1: speaking of write that down
2: predictions, we're going to we're going to uh transition here into a write that
1: down segment. So, what we're going to start with is we're going to start with what we're going to call our uh accountability session where we talk about our predictions, any of predictions that uh that went off the board in the last week, either successful successfully or as a failure. So we had two predictions go off the board this week. the first one was that I predicted that the Oakland A's would go to the World Series I, I get can we get like that's a, a buzzer? big red can X. A buzzer sounder for that you bet I get a <clears> throat> throat> yeah I get a, I get a buzzer for that. the uh, second prediction that we had come off the board was courtesy of Wyatt Teeter Wyatt Teeter predicted that Kyle would not win the game of a Saxons that we're currently playing <laughs> in the uh, Saxon section. If you have questions about what a Saxons is, tweet at
0: Wyatt. For clarification, tell you. a Saxons is not sports-related, and really the only reason why it's being brought up right now is because it's on the 8311 Write That Down Predictions board.
1: But anyway, Wyatt predicted that Kyle would not win Assassins, and Kyle ding, 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 was ding. eliminated in the last week. So Wyatt gets successful write that down prediction for that. Since you got the last one right, you want to uh, start us off with your prediction for the week, Wyatt? Uh, You bet.
0: My prediction for this week is that the Red Sox will win the World Series.
1: The Red Sox will win the World Series? The Red
0: Sox. They're going all the way.
1: Kyle, what would you give them for that? Single. Single? Only a single. They had the best record in the American League. They're the best team. They had the best record in baseball. They almost won 110 games. I think a single is reasonable for that. I just like
0: being right. I'll take a single.
1: All right. Kyle, what do you got?
0: Mike, what do you have? uh i didn't think about this
1: beforehand i right, see luckily for
0: me um i realized i didn't have a write down prediction about 10 minutes ago and i was like oh no that's our next segment what is going to be my write down write that down prediction and the red sox winning the world series came to mind so i think i gave you guys about 20 seconds there to stall and figure out with something kyle what do you got the brewers will not make the world series that's an awful
1: write that down
2: prediction. That's horrible. I, that you can't put that. That's that's denied.
1: Well, yeah, that de- is denied. Denied.
2: Not not unlikely enough that we can put it on the board. I'm gonna roll into hockey. The Minnesota Wild will not make the postseason. I feel
0: like that was a jab at Mike. It is a jab was, at Mike.
2: Kyle, you know, you you're literally
1: only making that prediction as a jab at me. You know absolutely nothing about hockey. What's icing, Kyle? <laughs> What does it what does it mean when a goalie is standing on their head?
2: He has been flipped upside down.
1: Yeah, you know nothing about hockey. You are literally only making that predict, predict that prediction to spite me. We will put it on the board and we will give you a single for it. But you know nothing about hockey, so be careful what you predict. So, what do you got, Mike? My prediction for the week is this: is this is a dual prediction here. My prediction is that. The University of Minnesota Golden Gopher football team will finish with more wins than the Iowa State University Cyclone football team by the end of the year. That's my write that down prediction for the year. Interesting. What do, what do you think about that? Right now, right now, for reference, Minnesota is three and two, and Iowa State is two and three. What, do, what are you guys going to give me for that? It is more. So if they tie, I lose. So it's got to be more wins.
0: I'm thinking I'm thinking a double, honestly. I think the cyclones are really gonna ramp things up towards the end of double end of the season. Double, double, you get double.
1: Alright, right. that sounds fine to me. Double. That sounds fine to me. Alright, those will go on our board here as soon as we are done recording, and we'll keep you updated with accountability sessions throughout the podcast, if you keep listening.
0: Alright. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the eighty three eleven cast. Tune in every Monday for a new episode and subscribe to our feed on iTunes and Spotify. Signing off for the 8311 cast. Kyle Mersh, follow me
2: at Kyle Mersh on Twitter. You can also tweet me, like we said earlier, if you're upset with all of Mike's opinions on this podcast. Don't tweet me. I don't have a Twitter, but this is Mike Ludwig signing off.
0: And Wyatt Teeter, follow me at Saxy Wyatt on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next week. See
2: y'all. Bye.